So let's turn, if you would, in the Word of God to John chapter 13. And we will seek to know Him through His Word. And um, as we begin, I was, I was thinking about a few different things uh, this morning. Um, I don't know if you had heard that the Super Bowl is this evening. Um, as I was looking at some <clears throat> things this week, I'm always intrigued with the financial part. Mr. Crane mentioned in Sunday School this morning the a billion dollars or more spent toward preparation for this game. And I'm, I'm always intrigued by the pounds of food eaten at parties and the estimates on all those things. But, you know, I was just thinking as a church, uh, what's something we could do as a church? And I was looking and um, a commercial for this evening for 30 seconds is $5.25 million. And if we hurry... We could take an offering, and uh, we could put our church on TV for 30 seconds this evening. We only will need to average about $25,000 per person in the room this morning to cover that commercial. But I'm thankful that we don't, uh, we don't need a commercial this evening. Um, I'm thankful that uh, we can be here together this morning. Uh, in fact, thinking about the Super Bowl, I, I did think, um, if you weren't here last Sunday evening, uh, it was announced that I am formally being considered as a candidate for pastor. And I was thinking my dad would think this was great, that my first official Sunday as a candidate was Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> 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 and uh, that I'll be speaking in the morning and evening. And so I'm sure he would uh, be laughing at that, think that was interesting. And then I, I can't help but think that God in some ways sometimes has a sense of humor. Uh, because as a, as a candidate... Uh, I came to our text for this morning and realized that the passage was on Judas. And so as my first official uh, morning as a, a pastoral candidate, we're going to speak about Judas this morning. <laughs> we're going to try to do so from the Word of God, and uh, we appreciate that God's Word is, uh, is inerrant, that it is perfect, and we're thankful. I'm thankful this morning for how this passage even refreshed my heart. You say, well, how does a passage on Judas refresh our hearts. And uh, let's look there, if you would, this morning. Uh, I'm going to read through, uh, starting in John chapter 13. Uh, we left off last week in verse 17. We've just been walking through the book of John, uh, taking portions and paragraphs really each week. We're going to continue to do that this week. And so if you would, look in verse number 18. Uh, Jesus, as you remember from last week, has just taught about servanthood, about humility, he gave the physical example by washing the disciples' feet. And as he finishes that, he says, you know, a, a servant cannot be greater than the master. A servant's not greater than his Lord. And you're not greater than me as your God, and so you should be willing to serve this way too. Verse 17, he says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And then look at verse 18, if you would. I speak not of all, of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, or he taught and said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. 
Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And we know from the rest of the chapter, this is the first time that John refers to himself. He's speaking about himself. This is the first time he refers to himself that way. And it's kind of like once he started referring to himself that way, he loved the fact that Jesus loved him, and that's how he kept referring to himself. In fact, four more times before the end of the book, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then if you would, look at verse 24. Simon Peter therefore beckoned him to him that he should ask who it, was, who it should be of whom he spake. So Peter doesn't want to ask himself. He says, John, John, ask Jesus who is this betrayer. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. That's just a morsel of bread or of the food that they have. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. And no, now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we need uh, of against the feast, uh, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Father, we come to you one more time this morning and ask you to bless as we uh, wrestle this passage this morning of one who spent so much time with you, one who you loved, yet one who rejected you, one who turned his heart away from you, and one who we should take careful warning as to our own lives. And uh, we pray that you would bless our efforts this morning. Hide us in and through the cross of Christ. Uh, bind the same devil that worked in Judas' life and keep him out of our minds and hearts, the distractions of our lives, and help us to grow in you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You know, initially as I started looking to this week's passage of John, my thought at first was almost to just lump this section to the beginning of a message really on verses 31 through 38, where Jesus speaks about love. <laughs> that seems to be a lot more encouraging. In fact, in verse 34, he's about to say, I'm going to give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Uh, he says, this is going to be the sign that others know you, that you have love toward one another. And so in a way, I, I began to think, and I was examining, thinking, meditating on the passage, and I thought, oh, we'll put that in there. This is just sort of historical. Uh, it just tells us what Judas did and how this kind of went down. And then Judas went out and, and he left and he sold this uh, information in a way to the Pharisees and that uh, then Judas betrayed him. And it's historical. So we'll put that with this passage. However, as I began to think and slow down a little bit and focus on this portion in which this betrayal of Jesus kicks off, uh, you remember that last week Jesus has a lesson on humility. And in the coming verses, he's going to teach a lesson about love. And last week, right in the middle of that lesson on humility, if you were to look at verse number two, right in the middle of that, he says, Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So he talks about Judas there. Then in verse 11, right in the middle of Jesus teaching about humility, he says, For he knew who would, should betray him. Therefore, said he, ye are not all clean. And now we have this insert of several verses about Judas. So it's obvious that John is trying to portray or convey some message to us. Well, what is it that he is trying to teach us? How are we supposed to learn 
from the life of Judas. You remember a few weeks ago that as we went and uh, looked through John chapter 12, where, where Mary takes uh, her ointment and breaks it apart, that expensive woman, and pours it and anoints Jesus with it. And then we have the heart of Judas. We have her action of love, but then it also tells us in that about the heart of Judas, who said, oh, why didn't we sell this to the poor? But the Bible reveals his heart and says he didn't care about the poor. In his heart, he was a thief and cared only for himself. And in a way, the way that John 12 gives us a stark contrast between Mary's love for Christ and Judas' love for himself, I think in chapter 13, John is doing something very similar. He is showing Jesus' heart for humility and love, and right in between that, he is giving us this stark contrast of Judas' heart for his own selfishness, his own greed, and even bitterness that he had grown in his heart toward this one that he had walked with and grown with for these years. I think the reasoning is very similar. And I think in particular, John pays careful attention to certain interactions with Judas that not necessarily all of the other Gospels pay attention to. We mentioned already, he says it in verse 2, he talks about in verse 11, and now Jesus speaking to him in a plain way of sorts. Can you imagine being Judas in this room? Now, uh, if you were to go back in, in the verse that we just read, in verse 2, it says, The devil that having now put into uh, the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So already Judas knows what he's going to do. In fact, you read other Gospels, he's already met with the Pharisees and, and, and agreed in term to what is going to happen. He knows the plan. And that's important to sort of let that register in our minds. As Jesus teaches and speaks to Judas, as he tells him of humility, and as he teaches of love, Ju and Jesus, of course, knows, Judas in his own mind already knows what he's going to do. That sin is already festering and growing and, and, and in a way simmering in his heart. That temptation to betray is already there. It's not something he thinks about on the fly. It's something that is in the heart of G Judas, and Jesus, of course, knows that. And it's important and should impact us to think about that because Jesus continues to speak to Judas. He continues to minister to him. He washes his feet. He teaches him. Look at verse 18, if you would, where we started this morning. Jesus speaking says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. And goes on and teaches about that. Verse 20 says, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send. That was going to be the Holy Spirit. Whoever has the Holy Spirit has received me. And whoever has received me receives the Father. Is what he's referencing there. He's talking about you can know God. That's literally what Jesus is saying to Judas. He says, I know, I know what's in your heart, but you can still know God. Jesus is ministering to Judas all the way to the end. We find that this is true. He says, I know that you're not all clean. They're speaking of their salvation. And he says, I know which of you will betray me. And there's so much sadness in that statement, if you think about it, the fact that Jesus knowing this and some think that that statement would infer uh, where Jesus says, I know whom I have chosen. Some would say that that means that Jesus, Jesus knew who he had chosen, but uh, Judas wasn't one of them. But that's that's not what it's saying. We're going to prove that in just a moment. Some would say it's speaking in general of his salvation, knowing that I know that not all of you are saved. But I, I want you to see something very interesting. Let's, we're going to look at each of the Gospels. 
Judas was called by Jesus. Judas was offered the same salvation that all the other disciples were. He was given the same opportunity that everyone else was, yet he rejected Christ. It was not that he was some robot acting on Jesus' behalf. Jesus knew what was coming, yes, and he knew that it was going to be used of the will of God, but Judas had the opportunity. Let's take a moment and and, and examine that. Look, if you would, at Matthew chapter uh, number 10 very quickly. Matthew chapter 10. Each of the Gospels and the book of Acts tells us that Jesus called Judas. Notice, if you would, in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 10. And when he had, what's the word? Called unto him his twelve disciples. Gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Then the names of these twelve, for time's sake, we won't read them all. You see them, Simon, Peter, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas. But then come to verse 4. He says, and when he had called the twelve, verse 4, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Look, if you would, the next gospel over, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Look at verse number 13. Mark chapter 3, verse number 13. It says, And Jesus, and he, goeth up into a mountain, and notice this word, and calleth unto him whom he would, who he wanted, who he willed, who he desired. He called, then look at verse 14, and he what? Ordained. He chose, he separated out how many? Twelve. Not 11, 12. Look at the final verse of this passage, and then it, na- it names them. Simon, James, goes through them, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. Look at verse 19. And Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Look, if you would, at the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 6. Say, why are we examining this? I want this point to be enforced. God's word points to this over and over. Jesus called Judas. Jesus gave Judas the opportunity to serve and to be a disciple. Look, if you would, chapter 6, look down at verse number 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So after he speaks and prays with God, it says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose, how many? Twelve. And look at the end of verse 16. It gives us all the names again. End of verse 16. Ju- How'd you like to have the same name? And Judas, the brother of James, and a different Judas, Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Again, look, if you would, to John chapter 6. You say, man, we are beating this point to death. But I want to emphasize this. Look at John chapter 6. Look at verse number 70. Jesus answered them. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is Matthew, Mark, and Luke speaking about the process. So you say, well, maybe they just misunderstood. Maybe they just thought Judas was called and chosen, but all the while he was part of God's plan for this, and he had no choice, he had no option. Look at verse number 70. Now Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. Notice, if you would, you don't have to turn there. You can make your way back to John 13, uh, and we'll be back there in just a moment. 
Even the book of Acts, when the disciples, after Jesus dies and Judas ends his own life by suicide, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it says, the apostles speaking, Men and brethren, this scripture must need be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost gave of the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. And then listen to this. It says, For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. It is clear from Scripture that Jesus gave the same opportunity to Judas that he gave to all the other eleven. Yet something was different in Judas. What was it? What was in Judas' heart? What do we see from these passages and combining all of those passages together? One, we see the commitment of Jesus to his work and his mission, the depth of his love for even the worst that he was going to go through in his life, knowing eventually that Judas would betray him. He still loved him. He still ministered to him. He still shared with him. He still taught him. He still witnessed to him, knowing that eventually there would come a time that Judas would reject him and it would cost Jesus in giving his life in that way. Yet Jesus ministered to Judas faithfully over and over and over. Think about our own lives. How patient is Jesus with us? But we also think about this, that God's calling or working in your life spiritually, your being around Jesus things like Judas was. He was around Jesus constantly. Being around the disciples of Jesus did not guarantee that Judas would be saved, nor that he would not betray or abandon Jesus. Judas was, in the words of Scripture, called, ordained, chosen, numbered with the disciples, living amongst Jesus every day, but Judas was lost. His heart was not sincere. Think of his life for a moment, I want you to think about a couple of things that we already know from just our study of the book of John. John chapter 12, flip back one page and look at that. We've, we've referenced it. We studied it just a month or so ago, a few months ago. Then saith one of his disciples, verse 4, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Verse 5, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? We see about Judas' life. He said good things didn't he? That's not a bad thing to say. Why couldn't we, instead of pouring this out and wasting it, we could have sold this and helped the poor. If anybody would come in today and say, you know what, I have, I have this extra piece of property I got from so-and-so, you know, I, I have a car, I'm in a financial position, I don't need to sell it to buy another car, but it's in the place, I could donate, I could give it, we could use it for this ministry, or we could use it to reach a, a community of people, we could use it as an outreach function, we could use the money to give to the poor and help those that are in need. Those are good things to say, and Judas said good things. Judas did good things as well. Look, if you would, back at chapter 13, look at verse 29. Even when Jesus, now I don't know that Jesus announced this broadly to all the disciples. Whoever I dip this bread, that is the one that's going to betray me. Some argue that maybe since John was leaning right there on Jesus, and he asked Jesus that maybe Jesus only told John, just sort of looking and saying, whoever I give this bread to, and he dipped it. And so not all the disciples knew one way or the other. It tells us the disciples didn't, were not aware why. Look at verse 29. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag... 
that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So when Jesus sends Judas out, the, the disciples, evidently Judas did these things normally. Evidently, he was willing to go get supplies. He was willing to serve. He was willing to give even to the poor because when Jesus says, Judas, go out, all, everyone around them thought, he's going to do something good. He's going to do something that's needed. And Judas said good things. Judas did good things. The disciples, this was normal. It was accepted. They just figured he was going to do some good deed. Judas literally had everyone fooled. Look at verse 28. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. In other words, it says no one knew what was in Judas' heart. Except someone did know. Look back at verse 18 if you would. I speak not of you all. I know. If you were to go back to verse number 11, it says, For Jesus, or for he, knew who would betray him. So what does this boil down to? Jesus says, I know your heart. I know the ones that I have called. I know these ones that I have given the opportunity. And Judas, you are one of them. But I also know that you're going to abandon me. And even though in verse 18, he, he knows that this is going to be a fulfillment of prophecy, he knows that it's going to be used for God's work. But you notice something about the heart of Jesus in this. You would think that because Jesus is God and he knows Judas is going to betray him, that he may have some sort of judgmental thought toward Judas, like you deserve this. Maybe he was rejecting Judas already. But that is not the case. We just mentioned in verse number 19, he starts teaching. In verse number 20, he teaches Judas all the way to the moment that he leaves his side. He wants Judas to love him. He longs for Judas to be saved. He knew his heart. In fact, look at verse 21. Even though Jesus knows Judas is going to be used for the purpose of God, and his sin will be what kicks off the sacrifice of Christ. Look at verse number 21. When Jesus had said, had thus said, he was what? Troubled in his spirit. This bothered him. It's the same kind of wording that was used when Jesus stood at the tomb of, of Lazarus, his friend that had died. He looked at Judas and said, I know you're going to betray me. And it breaks my heart. His message to Judas was, I know your heart. And it breaks mine. I wonder this morning. If we take this quick survey of Judas' life, how much our lives may fit into that same aspect. How many times has Jesus looked at our hearts and said, I know your heart, and it breaks mine. I want you to think about these things about Judas very quickly. It says, you know, Judas spent a lot of time with Jesus and his followers. But God does not call us to be around him he does not call us to be around other christians he does not call us to do or to say good things he calls us to submit in repentance and belief to a relationship with him first he calls us to follow jesus but here's the honest truth judas never did 
It's not that he didn't do things. It's not that he didn't walk where Jesus walked. It's not that he didn't hear what Jesus said. It's that in his heart, he never submitted to the lordship of Christ. Therefore, he was lost. And he lived three years listening and seeing and hearing all of the aspects of Jesus' ministry, yet he rejected Jesus in his heart. Let's apply that to our own lives this morning. Are we just around Christian things? Are we content to just be near Jesus' stuff? Or are we actually following and submitting to Christ? Judas, we don't have any other place in Scripture where he really argues with Jesus. I'm sure that the Bible does tell us that at some point he had started stealing from the bag that they used the, the, the money for for Jesus' ministry. So we know he was sinning in a way, sinning behind the scenes. But he was never outwardly, outwardly he conformed to all the things that Jesus did in his ministry. You never see where Jesus said, disciples, go do this. And Judas went somewhere else and didn't obey. You never see where Jesus says, go to town and get us food. And no, Judas is not going to go. You find Judas following along with the other disciples of Christ for most of that ministry. That leads me to number two. He had everyone around him fooled. It says in John 13, they did not know. Acts chapter 1 that I just read a moment ago says he was numbered among us. In fact, look back if you would to, to chapter 13. Look at verse 21. Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. They had no idea. The other Christians, the other disciples, the other apostles that were around Judas for all three years had no idea. In fact, it came to the place where Peter leans up to John and says, Can you ask him who it is? Now, it's ironic since Catholic Belief thinks that Peter's the first pope and that Peter went to John for intercession. I think that's funny. So Peter says to John, can you ask him who, who it is? Jesus leans over and he gives him this answer. They had no idea. And we can apply this to our lives. In Judas' life, the opinions, the thoughts, and the approvals of other people, that is, even the disciples, even God-fearing men, meant nothing. And in our lives, we can live often for the approval of people, even good people. But acceptance and approval and even the love of others cannot be what we live for. It is not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to follow Him. His experiences with the disciples were deep. They were emotional. He was on the ship when they feared for their lives and Jesus came and calmed everything around them. Judas experienced that. He was there as Jesus began to break bread and, and feed one person after another, and he saw Jesus provide physically for thousands of people and work miracles. Judas was there when he sat down with children and taught. He was there on the Sermon on the Mount where he walked through this glorious, maybe the best sermon ever preached physically on this earth. He was there and he heard it all. He heard the sermons. He heard the parables. He saw the miracles. He saw great things done by God. His experiences were religious. They were dramatic. He saw miracles, teaching storms, and he saw the threatenings on Jesus' life. And his connection to Christians, however, his connection to Jesus' ministry did not save him. 
in our lives, who do we live for most? Are we following Christ or are we trying to appease those that are around us? I mentioned this to teenagers. When we teach and talk, when I have the chance to preach to them, don't live your life simply conforming. If you have Christian parents that desire good things, don't live your life just conforming to what your parents want. Now, they should conform. Let me clear that up. They should conform to what their parents want. But their motivation should not just be, I just don't want to get in trouble in life. And sometimes we, as adults, we as grown people, as spouses, as parents, we live our lives for the approval of everyone around. We live for our boss or we live for uh, our neighbor and what they may accept. We live for people even within our own church. As long as they don't know that I think this way, as long as they think that I love in this way, as long as they think that I get, and we don't follow Christ, we try to appease people. But we learn from Judas' life, it didn't matter. He spent a lot of time around Jesus, and it didn't matter. He had everyone around him fooled, and it did not matter. Because number three, he gave his life to temporary, frivolous things of this world. Go back, if you would, Chapter 12, verse number 6. Just after Judas says, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Then John makes it clear. Remember, John is not writing this as a journal as it happens. He's writing it years later. Knowing the heart of Judas, he says this. This he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Had the bag and bear, or he took what was put therein. We're told that, Jesus, that Judas really in his heart had no care for the things of Christ. In his heart, he took things for himself. Physically, he sought to appease himself. And there came a point where in Judas' life, his curiosity and his intrigue with Jesus was overcome by his desire to have what he wanted. And eventually, he no longer was willing to just conform to look like he was the part of Jesus. He came to the point in his life where his heart's desires overwhelmed his curiosity about Christ and he rejected what Jesus was offering for what he thought he could have on his own. We live in a world that is opportunistic. But we as Christians often do the same. He had the opportunity, it is clear, clear as day in Scripture, he had the opportunity to believe. Look at, we, we read at the beginning of this service, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all say it. He was chosen, he was called, he was ordained, he was, he was numbered with them. And it says, even of Jesus says, I know I have chosen 12. Not 11, I have chosen 12. He was, Jesus tried to work in his life, but at some point he simply wanted to use Jesus and take only what would make his life better. John 13, Jesus preaches to the very end of Judas' connection with him. Judas may have been fearing. Can you imagine being Judas sitting in that moment? <laughs> Where Jesus says, I know one of you. And remember, it says at the beginning of the chapter, verse 2, that he already had in his heart what he was going to do. And Jesus looking around says, I know what one of you is going to do. And Judas had to think, is he going to out me right here? Is he going to tell others right here in front of me? He knew. Can you imagine this? Judas came to a moment in his life. He knew that Jesus knew his heart and he sinned anyway it is not enough 
for us to say, well, I know that God knows my heart. Have you, ever, have you ever done that? Well, I know that God knows every thought that I think. I know that God knows every action, every motivation, everything I feel inside toward others, every secret sin that I've done that no one's around. I know God knows those things. But sometimes, like Judas, we do them anyway. He knew that Jesus knew, but he cut his losses and became Satan's vessel. Let me ask you this this morning as we finish. What in this world consumes us? What has taken us away from Christ? If you fear you may be lost this morning like Judas, what stands in your way from trusting Him fully? You say this morning, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I have been saved. I'm not sure if I did the right things or said the right stuff or prayed the right prayer. I am not sure that I am lost. But what we know from Judas' life is it does not matter what others think of you. You could have been in this church. I've been in this church my entire life. But if I'm lost, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of me. We have people in our church for years that finally God works in their heart and the Holy Spirit comes in and they say, I, 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 I'm not saved. And God may be working in your heart that way this morning. And I'll tell you from Judas' life, it doesn't matter who you're around or who you have fooled. It doesn't matter what you know or how much you're here. It matters what Jesus knows of you. He's calling just like he did Judas. He's chosen to work in your life by his Holy Spirit. But like Judas, do not reject him now. There's no guarantee how long Jesus will call. It came to a point where Jesus taught him to the end and then he told Judas, Go do what you have to do. I think there's some haunting words at the end. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to think about this in your own life. God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. Have you been saved by grace alone, not our own deeds and works, through faith alone? Like Peter, not like Judas, we must respond and say, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But if you are a believer this morning, my challenge is simply to search your own heart. We may not be like Judas in that we are lost, but we can have the heart of a betrayer. Spending a lot of time around Jesus, fooling people that interact with us on a daily basis, but in the secret part of our hearts and lives, we're consumed with self and the desires of this world. We want from Jesus what works for us. And we will stand one day before Jesus and give an account not of what others thought, not of our standing, not of how much we gave, not of how much we did, but of who we were in Him. You'll stand before Christ and He can look at you just like He did Judas and say, I know your heart. I know you inside and out. I know what you thought. I know what you did. I know what you felt. Some argue that Judas was saved after this. Matthew 27 tells us that he went to the priest and he threw the money back to them. That He, in, in a, he repented in a way saying he, he had, knew he had sinned. You could argue that. Matthew 26, Jesus says, Woe to him that betrays me, it is better that he were not born. John 17, 12, 
Jesus speaking again uh, to his father in prayer. He says, I have kept them all and not and none are lost, but the son of perdition or destruction. Speaking of Judas, Jesus said Judas was lost. And we could argue today, was he lost? Was he saved? But here's the raw truth as we finish. It doesn't matter for you. You won't stand and give account for what Judas was. You won't stand and give account for what others thought. You will stand and give account. Number one, am I in Christ? And then did I follow him? God will not judge us for others. He will judge us for ourselves. He will not judge us in comparison to others. He will judge us by how we followed his word. I mentioned that the words are haunting there at the end. Verse number 30 says, He then, having received the sop, went out, went immediately out. Notice these last four words. And it was night. Uh, it can't be there for coincidence. In a way, it's a, it's a picture of the sun had set on Judas. His opportunity was done. <laughs> it was over. But if you're here this morning and you are living and breathing, your night has not come. Jesus will save. And he calls us to follow him. Let's pray.